Welcome to Over to Europe. This podcast is produced by students of Civica, the European University of Social Sciences. I'm your host Aniket Narawat, a first-year Master of Public Policy student at Hertie School, Berlin. We are living in a transitionary time. Things are changing at a rapid pace. Among many things, social media is changing how we interact, how we do business, and interestingly, how we do crimes. The norms of ethics that were relevant in 20th century are no longer fully applicable to this changed society. We have growing wealth gap across the world and it is fueling social unrest. We are witnessing evident threats to democracy. Climate crisis goes beyond the science of how we can reduce climate threatening gases in the atmosphere. Our biggest challenge would be to change the fundamental economic system that has driven us to the point of crisis how to change behavior of people so that we can tame the crisis a lot of these problems rose because of the technology that we have developed in the past few centuries but the solutions are not provided by technology alone to find solutions of these problem issues we need political scientists who understand our governance system better we need psychologists who understand human beings better we need philosopher who understand the morality and ethics of living together in the present world we need historians who understand the past better today i am going to have a conversation with two prominent social scientists in europe professor simon hicks and professor carsten schneider to understand what is social science what is the role of social science and how social science can help us in the time of transition professor simon hicks is a political science professor at london school of economics and political science professor hicks is also pro director for research at lsc professor schneider is a political science professor at central european university let us see what they have to say about the role of social sciences in solving the societal problems we face today so broadly speaking sciences are divided into three uh, three uh, channels one is formal sciences which is uh, basically purely on reason not in empirical evidence other two which is natural sciences and social sciences are based on empirical evidence oxford defines uh, social sciences as studies that are related to human behavior and societies my question first question would be how would you define professor hicks i'll start with you how would you define social sciences and what are the subjects that come under this uh, under social sciences um i think of the social sciences you're right aniket as a sub, as the study of human behavior and human interaction in human societies so that covers everything from economics political science sociology anthropology psychology geography but if at a place like lsc although we're a social science institution we also include law history philosophy mathematics statistics so i think we 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 have you know broadly the core social sciences but we also have the subjects that we think are cognate or very closely or closely related to the social sciences because we think it's important to have those subjects to be able to understand the social sciences so in some sense the social sciences share a lot of things with the the natural sciences uh in terms of method and approach so quantitative methods often formal abstract theoretical reasoning But equally the social sciences share some things with the arts and humanities because it's about um human meaning um societal meaning social interaction and so on so you know you can argue that 
you could perhaps should have perhaps have a literature department if you want to understand human interaction and, and human society then then also i think the humanities bring a lot to the table uh, in that regard so that's broadly how i think of it so uh, one thing you mentioned that literature doesn't come under part of social sciences could you help me understand because this is a common misunderstanding because literature again is a, is a study of human uh, humans in a way and then how, again you also mentioned history not being part of social science please can you help me understand the difference between humanities and social sciences yeah no that's a good question so i think the, the humanities um classically are literature uh history philosophy um so the social sciences in a sense are more about the study tend to be about the study of the contemporary world tend to be about the study of society and social meaning and human behavior in the contemporary world the, the social sciences if you like were were founded um in the late 19th century a lot of the modern social science associations so you know the american economic association the american political science association the american sociology association and their equivalent associations in europe were founded at the end of the 19th or the beginning of the 20th century um you think about the london school of economics and political science was founded in the the first few years of the 20th century sciences po institut d'etudes sciences politiques was founded also around about that time so you know this was a flourishing of of what came together as people defining the social sciences in a sense coming out of the humanities and it was a, it came from a debate that had been going on in the 19th century about can you have a science of society so you know whereas the humanities were more descriptive and th- from the people within the study of the humanities who who said i want to study society scientifically and there was a debate in in germany called the methodenstreit which was about um, the methodological debate uh, uh, and it was all about whether or not you could study the social world in a scientific way and so meaning in a structured systematic formal collecting evidence collecting data trying to create hypotheses and test hypotheses so using the methods of the natural sciences but applying them to what in some ways were the subjects of the humanities and so it's that intersection of, of the method from the natural sciences the subjects of the humanities that makes the social sciences distinct from the other two areas professor snyder i have a question for you which is what is the role of social sciences in the society today and how it has evolved in the last few few decades or centuries right i mean so in continuation what simon just uh, said I think this uh, tension within the social science uh, with uh, natural science on the one hand and uh, humanities on the other is is an ongoing conflict if you will it's oftentimes productive conflict uh, um which in the past decade or so at least for some areas of the social science and here I'm particularly thinking of political science is shifting more towards science the, uh, and uh, less humanities so there is an experimental turn um you use unknown quantities and qualities of data uh, you have immense uh, computing power which more and more makes people think that uh, social science can actually be really science um, you know some people then point out and this sort of goes to your question aniket uh, that that there's a danger in neglecting history and to have this false pretense to be a natural science uh, and to under and appreciate the sort of inherent interpretive nature of any social science endeavor which by definition has to be at at one point an interpretation of of uh, the social realities because unlike natural kinds like the gravity field or a, a, a magnetic field the things that we study don't really exist in nature as such so so it's dangerous to to uh, sort of fall on the science side 
because then I think we will give also wrong advice uh, to um, society. So what is then the role of social science? Uh, also, why do we need it, I guess, is probably to describe and understand the present uh, and the past uh, and to provide at least a, a insightful useful, stimulating, helpful interpretation of what's going on uh, and then maybe to draw some conclusions of what should be done in the f uh, future near and far. Can I come in there as well, Annika? I mean, I think that was a, I mean, absolutely agree with Carsten. It's not surprising given we're, I thought we approach our, we're from the same discipline and we approach that discipline in quite similar ways, I think. Um, you know, I think of the, the social sciences always tend to be about the present. So I think the whole purpose of the disciplines when they were created was about how to shape and how, how to understand the world to try and make the world a better place. So, so if you go back to the early sociologists, it was about trying to understand how society works to improve society. Or the early economists, it was trying to understand how the economy works to, to, to make the economy better. And in political science, it was about understanding early days, it was about understanding constitutions to try and design new and better constitutions. And so uh, I, I think that's very much, so it's very front and center. It's all about today. We, we try, we may also study the past, of course. And, you know, there's a big historical turn in, in the social sciences, but we study the past because really what implicitly or sometimes even more explicitly, a lot of what we're doing is thinking about how we can use our knowledge to, to make the world a better place. And so a lot of the, the top social science institutions were founded with that kind of objective. So, for example, the LSD founded under the motto of um, to um, our current motto is to, to shape the world. We were founded back in, uh, in the early 20th century by the Webbs, who, who were about trying to, to to create an institution that would train people to go on and go into government and go into the policy world to improve policy making, to, to, to improve the management of the economy, to address inequality and so on. And I, I think today, when you think about some of the world's major challenges today, so when you think about environmental sustainability, or you think about uh, growing wealth and income inequality or regional inequality or, or gender inequality or racial equity issues, or when we think about the new technologies and artificial intelligence and what the impact is going to be of those things on society and our social relations. All of these are very contemporary questions. And of course, those are the questions that are now driving what are the, the kind of core social science agenda and the type of things that we're interested in. We defined the social sciences, now we defined, uh, now we understood the role of social sciences. One of the key things uh, about natural sciences, it has we have seen some uh, drastic inventions. We have seen some breakthroughs, like such as steam engine, electricity. We went to space. Like this has changed our life drastically. I would like to understand how social. What were the biggest breakthroughs for social sciences that has impacted humanity as a whole? Uh, Professor Higgs, let's start, let's start with you. Then we'll... I'll give you two. How about the welfare state? Okay, you want an invention from the social sciences? How about the welfare state, right? I mean, this was invented by William Beveridge, who became the director of the LSD. Um, this came out of, you know, economists and sociologists thinking about what the state can do to address poverty and inequality, and it gradually fed through into right across the world. In some ways, it's one of the, one of the greatest inventions of humanity. So, you know, there's one. I'll give you another one, feminism. Gender equality. That's an invention of the social sciences. 
right? For, 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 for millennia, we had societies that were hugely unequal, that were dominated by men, where women were oppressed. And only in the last, you know, when you think about feminist thought, of course, it began a long time ago, but it really took off and, and, and expanded in the late 20th century. And that's because of the way that, you know, gender scholars, a lot of women scholars as well in sociology and economics and political science and psychology and, and all across the social sciences, geography, um, thought about gender and studied gender and demonstrated gender inequality and thought about what we need to do to change in society and came up with a whole set of ideas and thoughts and processes for us to do that. So, you know, if you like the welfare state, feminism, there you go. There's two inventions of the social sciences that have changed the world. But social science, natural sciences gives us very tangible answers to things. Okay. The social science, it, it evolves over the period of time. Like, do you think so, the society is able to understand the role of social, social sciences as much as it understands, because you have clear evidence of what is happening because when you invent an engine, what happens when you travel to a space? So these are like concrete, tangible solutions you can see. You're talking about some natural sciences, right? You're, you're comp you can't compare the social sciences with physics or chemistry. But there's a, there's a lot of the social sciences that are much more probabilistic. So, you know, when you think about epidemiology or you think about medicine or you think about um, some of the human behavior sciences in or, or natural behavior sciences, like in biology or zoology, you know, a lot of what they do is, is probabilistic, is, is, is about tendencies. Um, and, you know, I always say to my students, political science is not physics. So, you know, but we, we know certain things that tend to be certain tendencies. So, for example, in, in political science, we know that if you have a proportional representation electoral system, you tend to have more political parties. If you have a majoritarian electoral system, you tend to have fewer political parties. Of course, there's conditions around why. But, you know, that's if we go back to Duverger in the 1950s, he thought that was a law. He thought that was actually a predictive law like physics. It's not a predictive law like physics. It's a tendency. And so, yes, our knowledge in the social sciences is probabilistic. It's not deterministic. But many natural sciences are, are probabilistic and not deterministic. You know, you're talking mainly about physics and chemistry, but that's not all of the, the natural sciences. There's the whole biomedical sciences, which is also very probabilistic. If you talk to you know friends of mine who are doctors, you know, you say, why does that treatment work? They'll say, we don't know. And we actually, we don't really care. As doctors, we know through trial and error that something works. Often, you know, we don't actually know the, the, the mechanisms behind why it works, but we know it works because through trial and error. That's a lot of the, the what the social sciences is, uh, is about. I don't know what Carsten thinks. Definitely. No, no. So I first, I like that uh, you gave a more optimistic answer than to what I thought as an answer, which is a bit more pessimistic. So how useful or how which breakthroughs there could be in uh, the social sciences. You know, a pessimistic view would be that it's all circular so that we rediscover things that people, uh, predecessors in our discipline had already discovered 100 years ago and there's nothing really new under the sky. But but you clearly pointed out some uh, examples that uh, in the social world would not exist if it hadn't been for the work of uh, the social sciences. But what I wanted to also say in comparison you know, social science to physics is I don't think that everything that physics discovers is clear to the public and or not even clear to those who discovered what the implications of this are. So I guess even Einstein wouldn't know what would come out of his discoveries. But the, the decisive difference seems to be when we talk about social science and its impact on society is that whatever we find, uh, you know, will lead to, will re um, require 
that we make value decisions on what we found. So Duverger's law can tell us that there is you know, a relation between two variables, but what is it that we want to achieve? Do we want to have many parties or do we want to have few parties? And that, that's not up to social science to decide. That is always a public discussion, unlike you know, how a space ship should be built. That's not a public debate. But I remember, I remember, um, <coughs> uh, so I, I've been involved in the design of electoral systems in several places in the world. And I remember um, talking to a colleague of mine at LSE who's the top uh, game theorist, the economist. And she, uh, we, were being, uh, we were asked to go to Israel as a team to help dis- redesign their electoral system. And I, I was talking to, to her and she said, Simon, you can't do that because we don't yet know what the perfect electoral system is. Um, you know, we're not like physics. You cannot just go and tell them because, you know, you, you don't know that. Uh, and they'll assume that you're right. And we don't know whether you're right or not. And, you know, she's thinking very like a physicist because she's a game theorist. And I said to her, well, imagine that you're a bridge builder in the Middle Ages. And a prince says to you, can you build me a bridge? And you say, I don't I can't build you a bridge because I don't understand particle physics yet. And, and of course, the bridge builder says it doesn't say that the bridge builder says, well, there's a bridge over there that's still standing and it looks it works pretty well. So let's build a bridge like that one. Right. So in a sense, you know, that's a lot of what the social sciences are. What we do is we study the empirical world and, and we say this. If, if things are designed like this, you tend to get these sorts of outcomes. And if things are designed like that, you tend to get those sorts of outcomes. We may not actually know yet what the really deep underlying causality connections are. But we understand these tendencies and we can collect and amass those sorts of tendencies. So when we go to the policymaker, we say, look, if you design your electoral system like this, you're probably going to get these sorts of outcomes. And if you design it like that, you're probably going to get those sorts of outcomes. So in that sense, we're much closer to to practical engineering than we are to sort of classical physical uh, physics uh, natural science yeah i think one of the things we both work on is eu and uh, eu is all we talked about in one of the episodes how eu has been built like eu unlike other uh, countries don't start with a, a common shared identity they started with a common goal like economic goal and then started building this whole system of eu and i think political scientists has a huge role to play in that and they have played a huge role we have changing world order we have pandemic going on we have uh, technology which is moving at a very fast uh, space. What do you think, like, uh, Professor Snyder, let's start with you. Uh, can you uh, tell us, like, what are the few challenges you think are important right now for for social sciences? So, it is, you know, you can understand this question in two ways. One is it's uh, given all the challenges that are there for societies, what are now the challenges for, for the social sciences to uh, sort of survive? And... Uh, um, or is it what are the challenges that social science should pick up in order to solve uh, societal uh, challenges? So, um, you know, one uh, sort of challenge to social science understood in the first uh, meaning that I tried to uh, express is that uh, going back to something I said a couple of minutes ago, with uh, all the new data that is out there and all the new technologies, uh, specific parts of social sciences will get a boost while others, those closer to humanities, uh, will have uh, sort of ever increasing problems of uh, claiming legitimacy uh, of their existence, of uh, getting enough funding, getting enough good students. Um, 
Um, whereas, you know, a lot of money uh, will be poured in, in those who claim that they now do incredibly new stuff that hasn't been seen before. And many of this, uh, much of this research is probably interesting, but uh, some might not be interesting nor even really new. Now, but if you understand the question more like what are the challenges that social science needs to pay attention to, societal challenges, then the list is not really uh, surprising, I guess. It's, you know, of course, the climate crisis and its consequences inequalities and its corrosive effects on virtually any aspect of social, economic and political uh, uh, life, in particularly also the viability of liberal democracy. You know, the consequences of algorithms, Simon has uh, mentioned this, the consequences in particular, not only for personal life, but also political systems. Um, then the future of international cooperation, I think of the EU. Uh, and this, by the way, are by no coincidence, the four research themes that Civica has chosen to focus on. Can I come in there too? I mean, I, I think he's right that, um, you know, big data, the availability of data, and the analysis of data is, is, is going to transform uh, the social sciences and transform the policy end of the natural sciences. And I think the first step of this is often that the natural sciences, the computer scientists and the engineers um, are the first to sort of start to use that sort of data. And there's a worry for the social sciences that, that you know, instead of these, the analysis or the use of this data being done by social scientists, this is going to become a branch of the natural sciences. So you can think about, you know, MIT or Imperial College in London and data science, and they have all these very whiz-bang computer scientists, technologists, and so on. But what I find fascinating talking to, to colleagues at Imperial College London is they say, you know, we have all these data techniques, but we've no idea what to do with them. So, uh, you know, he, one example is, you know, they're designing robot doctors at Imperial College in London. And, and I was talking to someone in the team there and he said, we can easily design robot doctors. We've got computer scientists and engineers and medics, and it's really easy to design a robot doctor. It's, a, it's just a set of algorithms. You know, do you have a temperature? And then if you have a temperature, you ask this kind of question and so on. And you design the voice and you design it. But what he said is, I've no idea if anybody will use it. I've no idea if anybody will trust it. I've no idea if anybody will follow the advice. I've no idea how people are going to interact with it. And I don't even know where to start to answer those questions. So I need I need anthropologists and psychologists and philosophers and sociologists. And I, I need the social sciences to if this is going to work. So, so if I think of it as these are all new technologies that will transform many aspects of our life, education, health society, a lot of issues. Yet, um, we, if we're really going to unleash the true potential of these technologies in a positive way, I, it's, it, we're increasingly realizing that we need the social sciences to be working alongside with, or interact with the, the natural sciences. And I've seen this, interestingly, in, in the pandemic. So in the UK, we have a committee called SAGE, which is the scientific advisory group on the pandemic to the government. Initially, it was all medics and epidemiologists, and they were helping to design the policy aspects. Suddenly, they realized there were enormous economic consequences, and there were enormous societal consequences, and they didn't have any knowledge or expertise um, to be able to do this. Because, you know, when you lock down, of course, there's enormous consequences on families, and when there's consequences on the economy, and they had no way to think about how do we make these trade-offs? How do we take these things into account? Now they have sitting on that committee economists and anthropologists. The anthropologists have designed the bubble system we have in the UK. That is, they, they made the case that 
they, they looked at which groups in society are going to be most affected by, by a lockdown. It's going to be single parent families. Let's design a system where single parent families can buddy up. Um, the economist said, let's think about how the effect is going to be on the economy of the lockdown and what instruments do we need to have in place to address that? So you immediately see well, like the, the first step, if you like, was, was led by the natural sciences. But very quickly, they realized they needed social sciences and they needed quantitative social sciences like economics. But they also needed softer social sciences, more descriptive social sciences like anthropology. So I'm a little bit more optimistic than Carsten about our future and our role uh, in the world. I'm, I'm in full agreement, and, and uh, I think there are even more examples of social scientists uh, sort of infiltrating uh, uh, the big data world. I, I would be curious to hear how many people at Facebook are actually social scientists and not computer scientists, and I think this number is probably much higher than we think. But my point was rather that uh, that the inverse can happen, that sort of uh, social scientist is invaded by computer scientists, so that we think that social sciences can be reduced to analyzing data just because it's new and now can solve uh, problems that we are struggling with uh, since eternity. So I, I think this would be a a naive expectation and probably in part also dangerous because the diversity that we have in the social sciences that in several of our answers I think was already highlighted is an asset rather than uh, absolutely yes no, absolutely Carsten I, I, I totally agree I do I do worry about the sort of um, Americans call them carpetbaggers you know the carpetbaggers were the people who who came from after the Civil War the people who came from the north and ran the government in the south. Um, you can think of the natural scientists as the carpetbaggers moving into the social sciences because they have the tech, they have the computer science techniques, they have the data and analytics techniques. Um, one thing I've learned from my position as I'm pro-director now at LSE, so I look across the social sciences at LSE, is, is actually um, how the social sciences have a very different attitude towards data than a lot of the natural sciences. In natural sciences, you take data as a given. This is the data and we analyze the data. What we do in the social sciences, and I didn't really realize this, is we, we think about where the data comes from, the data generation process. We, this is not the total population of the data. So, so we have a different way of thinking about statistical evidence because we say this is a partial, this is a sample of the data, and we don't know what the full population of the data is. Whereas if you're working in engineering or computer science, you're generating that data yourself, and that is the data. So it's a very different way of thinking about what you're doing, what data actually means, and then how it can be used to answer policy questions. And, and I think this is a kind of case that the social sciences need to keep making, keep reminding policymakers and reminding the world um, that we, we need to have a sort of skeptical view from a statistical point of view about, about the data generation process. My school, Hurdy School, has a lot of focus on data science. Uh, we uh, combine a lot of uh, social, social sciences, which is mostly political science with data and look at the, how we're trying to do. I think we have been using mathematics, statistics for a really long time and the technology allows us to use that on a much more grander scale right now, much more grand scale. And I think that's going to be helpful. Professor Hicks, you already touched upon how social science can be important for, for solving any problem. Like let's, let's talk about technology, which we already discussed a little bit. Technology is changing right now the way we interact with each other, the way we organize ourselves on a, on a larger scale, whether it's social media, whether it is artificial intelligence. The social sciences is going to have a lot to say here, especially like when our moralities are changing, our, our ethics are, everything is questioned right now. I think social sciences has a huge role to play here. What do you think about how can social sciences keep 
keep up with the pace of technology because technology is growing at a very large pace right now. How can social sciences keep up with that pace and the, the questions it is providing along with that pace? I will give you a really concrete example of this. So um, in the UK, in the summer of 2020, um, they had to decide what to do with people's final exams because, of course, they cancelled all the exams in the country. In the UK, we have a national examination system with national exam boards. And, you know, some people in the UK claim this is such a fantastic system, but we don't need to discuss that. So what they, what they said is, actually, we can just collect the data on all the previous year's performances of schools, and we can pretty much predict what everybody's going to get. If you look at what the, diff what the students have done, and we control for different factors, the size of classes, the type of school, the type of local area, and so on and so on. And, and, and how many people are taking a subject in a school, and we can more or less create an algorithm that predicts exactly what people are gonna get. So this would stop grade inflation. And also you have, you, you know, you don't need the teachers, we can just predict it. The social scientists are saying, this is crazy. You know, these are individuals we're talking about, and we're going to be creating a set of exam results that are not based on these individuals actually taking these exams. And the computer scientists and the engineers said, no, 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 these are just predictive, it's a predictive model. We've applied it to last year's exams, and it was incredibly accurate at predicting last year's exams. We'll apply it to this year's exams. When the results came out, within five minutes of the results coming out, it was pretty clear the algorithm in the way that they had designed it had predicted, had led to private schools with small classes being overpredicted, and the public state schools with very big classes being underpredicted. So, and, and of course, the poorer areas of the country had lower exam results, the richer areas of the country had, had uh, better exam results. And immediately people started to say, this is ridiculous. And the government then canceled the algorithm, having spent millions on paying some consultancy, some data science consultancy to design the damn thing for them. They, adopt, they abandoned the algorithm and said, we're gonna go with teacher predicted grades because teacher predicted grades are closer to what actually is the true performance of the students. Now, my view as a social scientist was, was against the debate in the UK that said the algorithm is, we should throw out algorithms. Algorithms are terrible. My view is it's not that the algorithm was terrible, it was badly designed because it wasn't designed by social scientists. Just uh, following uh, on what uh, Simon has said, some of this um, contribution of uh, social science to this technological progress is already going on. So it's not just keeping up with the progress, but I think in some fields it is social scientists who shape it. And, and you know, LSE and Terti and, and CU are places where a, a lot of, you know, this research is done. So I don't claim that I have a full overview, but when it comes to using, for instance, texts or images, voices and videos as new forms of sources of um, of uh, sort of analyzing political and social reality, that is done uh, in, in political science and not in physics or uh, in uh, wherever outside of the social sciences. Um, then with these algorithms, clearly, yes, uh, one needs to discuss the ethical uh, consequences and and sometimes they are not so obvious like in this example that uh, Simon uh, just uh, mentioned uh, and it requires some intricate reverse engineering to figure out uh, what this algorithm is doing because not even those who designed these algorithms sometimes know why things happen the way they happened and that can only social scientists it seems to me because they need to ask ask the relevant uh, socially relevant questions that's not the top job of uh, programmers
how can like collaboration of different universities like like alliances like civica can help well independent of uh, whether or not there is technological change um, i think co collaboration is very important also in light of all the societal challenges that we have been talking about and and uh, that is exactly what uh, civica is about so it and that is important i think for everybody to understand that civica encompasses everything from teaching to research to human resources to administrations uh, and in all of those areas uh, we develop synergies and create uh, joint projects uh, is it baa phd education outreach events um, streamlined uh, uh, appearance in the virtual world um, using of course technologies like the one that we are using for this podcast and so on uh, but we also of course have a joint research program or we want to want to have one and so we are working towards this goal because that research identity of civica is then kind of the brain that feeds into all the other activities let me add one little bit to that which is when we annika you use your tuning in here from india and when i think about um you know a global society or a global economy or global higher education um, you know, many parts of the world are now very advanced in technology and natural sciences. And that's great. And that's great for, for India and great for China and great for, for many other parts of the world that are developing in those areas. But, but in terms of the social sciences, I think Europe still has a global comparative advantage in terms of the social sciences. When you think about, and what, what I love so much about Civica is this is an alliance of really world-class social science institutions. These are some of the best social science institutions in the world. And, and we can be greater than the sum of our parts by, by bringing the strength of these institutions together, strength of these institutions together in, on the education side and on the research side. And, and, and when we start to, to, to build up research networks, research seminars, and, and actually, you know, the pandemic and moving a lot of things online has allowed us to have online research seminars and seminars that we share across these institutions. And... I'm very excited about building up a research community collectively amongst ourselves as, as these top social science institutions in Europe. And, and if we can really do that, I really think we have an opportunity to, to establish Civica as a, on the map globally as a, as, as a real world leading social science center um, where, you know, people will think people like yourself, Aniket, will say, okay, you know, I'm, I, I maybe, you know, I can get a lot of the, the technology or, or the natural science education in India or in China or somewhere else. But, but if I want to learn how that can interact with the social sciences, Civica is the kind of place I want to come um, to, 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 learn, to learn that. They are planning to offer a course which can be taken by uh, students across 18 universities like Sahati, Siyanspur, LSE. I think this is also a future of uh, education. So what do you think about this idea, like how Civica is paving path for the discrete universities were the education of the past, but the studying together as a university, as a community together, it's a it's a thing of fu uh, future. What do you think about this phenomena? Carsten, do you want to have a go at that? Sure. So, so yeah, I just happened to teach right now a course that had been open to Civica uh, partners, and it's it's just very nice and beneficial for everyone involved to see not always the same faces from your cohort, but to uh, get to know. 
uh, people from from other universities and exchange ideas with them and and uh, uh, interact. And so so this whole network building, and that's why I wanted to de-emphasize a little bit this technological aspect about Civica. It's really about uh, human relations to uh, team up with people whom you know from the literature uh, to get to know them and to have a platform to interact um, to have students sit in same courses uh, all this I think is what is an added benefit not only for those who participate but also for those who are not part of Civica because as Simon says if we play this well and we are on good way of doing so uh, Civica really becomes uh, uh, an attractive hub for where people want to spend time uh, and that sort of also can compete with uh, um, you know leading institutions in the United States which usually are many of them not all are much bigger than most of the the places that we are uh, you know, partners of Civica are usually smaller than big universities in the United States and I think sometimes the mass of brain and people and and goodwill that is put together really matters in, in producing something that is bigger than the sum of its parts as Simon has said. Yeah and one aspect I would add to that about you know the social sciences in Europe versus the social sciences in the United States and, you know nothing against the United States my wife is American my kids are American I love the States um, but the social sciences in America tend to be very America focused so you know the, the economics, political science, sociology, psychology, you know, it's it, it, they're very focused, and that's fine. And of course, that's what they want to do. But one great thing about the European social sciences is we're very global focused, although, you know, you have Carsten and I here who study Europe. But, 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 but I think, you know, there's a real potential for us in Europe as the social sciences to really start to address the global issues and be the world leader on some of the global issues the social sciences are trying to address. Global inequality, global environmental sustainability, some global issues relating to data and, and, and data analytics. And there's an opportunity for us. If we don't do it, other people are going to do it ahead of us. So I think there's a real window of opportunity for us. Absolutely. On that point, I just uh, sort of kind of I forgot to mention this because it comes natural to me that the student body and faculty at CU, but I know the same at LSE and many other partners at Civica is so international that is unparalleled. You don't see this in the United States uh, at such a level of uh, diversity and global sort of diversity. And that is an asset that uh, Civica brings to the table as well. Absolutely. Civica is defined as like the European University of Social Sciences. What do you think, like, what is the role of Civica is going to be in generally on social sciences and European social sciences? Well, that's a big question. Um, look, uh, I, I see us as, as sort of the, the, there are a lot of other social science institutions in Europe, and I wouldn't want to belittle a lot of other excellent social science places and social science colleagues that are not in Civica, but but I, but I think Civica, I hope Civica becomes an, a very open network that leads the way in us building a, a genuine European-wide social science community um, across our disciplines, within our disciplines, and, and not just within the Civica institutions, but also reaching out to the other social science institutions in Europe. That's my hope for where we're heading in the next few years. That is totally in line with what I also envisage as the future. So a point of reference, not a, a new competitor to other existing non-Civica uh, institutes in Europe. That was Professor Simon Hicks and Professor Carsten Schneider. As Professor Hicks mentioned, social sciences are largely about the present moment. It is about how we can make the world a better place. 
but today in a world with an overwhelming number of challenges it would be interesting to see how social science and social scientists are going to help us navigate through this transitionary time Savika the European University of Social Sciences aims to connect social science universities and social scientists to accelerate the process of finding solution to make the world a better place thank you for being part of the conversation over to europe is produced by nicolas fellows and me aniket narawat with the help of civica community music in this episode was created by kevin mcloyd this podcast is funded by german academic exchange service subscribe and learn more at www.civica.eu/over to europe stay tuned for our next episodes